What's up, Marvelites, and welcome to a brand new episode of the MCU Exchange Podcast. This is episode 45. Woo! Woo! My name is Aaron. I'll be your host for this episode. Alongside me is Charles. What's up? And Joe. Hello. Oops. Hey! <laughs> what, what, what's that accent, Joe? <laughs> I was is that Arnie? <laughs> I, I'm inspired. <laughs> oh, you're inspired this week. You have a different you accent. Join the MCU, like seriously. We need Arnold Schwarzenegger in the MCU. <laughs> yeah, we already I'll... have Sylvester Stallone, so. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is going to be a WandaVision centric episode because, man, what an episode it was. Didn't yep. really expect that. Let's, let's dive right into it. I, I know I'm going to geek out in the next few minutes because the MCU is back. Mm-hmm. Not in a sitcom way, <laughs> the real mm-hmm. way, the real world yep. way. <laughs> because. As we all know, Spider-Man Far, Far From Home uh, showed the impact of the blip, like in a comedic manner, right? So we saw mm-hmm. that. But WandaVision took it up a notch by showing the intimate manner of the blip and how people actually returned when Hulk snapped, snapped them back to Earth, uh, to the rest of the universe. So we saw Monica was Monica Rambeau. It's Geraldine in previous episodes now, Monica Rambeau. For those unaware, Monica Rambo is the daughter of Maria Rambo, the best friend of Carol Danvers from 2019's Captain Marvel. She's all grown, she's all grown up now. Yay. <laughs> so, so, guys, when, when you're watching that scene, those scenes, like the, the, that opening scene, you just right there, what is your reaction, Charles? Oh, my God. I, I posted on Twitter. I was literally eating as the uh, recap was happening. And then the cold <laughs> open drops. As soon as I saw, I saw the particles, I had to sort of sit, take take a step back and say, "What is this? Is this like a like a dream?" And then you know, she she reconstitutes, and then I'm kind of like, "Oh, is that how she got kicked out of the the barrier?" And then of course we hear the panic outside. We see people coming back, and I'm like, "Holy fuck! They're giving us the the blip. It actually looks better than the blip in Spider Man." And yeah. Like right from the get go, you're just kind of shocked at seeing it all go to shit, go to go to go to hell. Everyone's going crazy, and it just kind of shows the impact of Endgame as a whole because we don't see necessarily the blip and its true personal effects. We see some a glimpse of it in in Far From Home, but even in Endgame, we don't see everyone come back. It 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 makes it seem like it's just, it's this grand heroic event where people are celebrating and just high fiving. Well, in reality, it's like, holy shit, what happened? I was here just a minute ago, and why is everything so different? It, it kind of shows the panic and the, the true impact of Thanos' actions. And it just kind of amazes me that we got to see it in a WandaVision episode, and we got to see it happen to, to Monica out of all people. Yeah, and it's, it's absolute chaos from the get-go. You see yeah. the, the overall effect of the blip. From Thanos and that, and then Joe, what's your reaction? I want to hear from you now. Um, like I, I think the fascinating thing is this kind of showcases the advantage of what the MCU is. Is that you know a lot of like like a TV show. On one side, a lot of people like to compare it to a TV show where it's like always oh, a story that keeps expanding. But what the MCU can do is like pretty much tell stories from any angle in any way. And like Charles said, you know, like when we saw the the blip actually happen in um, Far From Home, it was like this comedic they're back into existence but the series like i didn't i didn't expect that this series would open this way like that wasn't something i thought okay we're gonna see the blip happen 
And it was such a fast because the effect was amazing. Like we never saw the effect of people. Like what what was the circumstances? Were they just like really turned to dust, and were they like dusted back? Did they just pop or flip back into existence? Now we actually have a feeling and know what happened. And we got like these different angles, this heroic event. We got this comedic event, and now we got the drama of your everyday life, and you're just popped back into existence and have to face reality that time went on without you. And I think this was, it was extremely well done. And it just, like, I was like, as soon as I realized who she who she was talking about and why she was there, I'm like, oh my god, did they kill her? Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. wow, that's a that's a huge move. Considering she was such a huge character in, the, in Captain Marvel. I didn't even realize, like, what she was talking about because so much is happening. You're kind of like, holy shit, it's the blip, it's the blip. You're kind of, you kind of don't even almost pay attention to what she's saying to to the yeah to the nurse yeah. or doctor when she sort of you know you know get when you sort of calm down and sort of try to understand what's happening and then you're like oh my god her mom yeah where's her mom she died like holy shit she died three years ago that's that was one of the crazy reveals as far as you know like you said she's a she's a great character in um Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel. and to see her to know that she she's gone it's like oh my god wow. It's a game-changing move there because we know that that event will have a direct effect in Captain Marvel 2. Yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be referenced. And uh, let's see, because three years, she died 2020. Wow. He's in that canon. So It also makes you wonder if Carol knows, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. I think she, she knew because we'll, we'll get to that later because of sword stuff. But... What an opening scene! I didn't, uh -huh. I didn't expect that. Did you expect that, guys? No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> and uh, before we move on, since this is the post-Endgame world, do you expect more scenes like that in other shows? Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Hawkeye. Ooh. What do you think, mm. Charles? I think yes. Um, particularly they're gonna have like for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They're gonna have to explain how Zemo got out because he's fucking in jail. Like, what happened in oh. the during the snap? Did he get snapped? Um, it'll be interesting to see more and more of the more more and more on characters who got snapped and who didn't get snapped because we don't exactly have a clear idea on who who survived and whatnot. So I think they're gonna have to address it. And I think you know Falcon and the Winter Soldier seems like a good place to introduce more blip returns in the MCU. Yeah, Joe, how about you? Uh, I think the blip is like the blip was such a huge, massive event. Like a lot of people always complain Marvel Studios didn't do any risks, didn't do anything huge. And like this was that kind of event that, that signals that you can use it at so many different angles. And I, I really excited and hope we also explore times before the blip happened, like during the time when everyone was gone and, and exploring how their lives have changed, how that affected the world, because we only really got a glimpse in Endgame. It was just kind of like implied that everything kind of went to shit. <laughs> that every everyone was depressed for five years. That's pretty much how it felt. And now yeah. we're seeing like these consequences and life still kind of continued for some. And there's so much potential to explore in this storyline that I'm I'm really interested. I, I definitely think that we're going to see a lot more of it moving forward. Yeah. And now uh, move on to the next plot point here. It's the triumphant debut of S.W.O.R.D. The MCU, because in the past episodes, just short glimpses, short teases, and now they made their wow, 
their, their debut in the MCU, and we learned a lot. Starting off, who founded it? It was Maria Rambeau. And yeah. she was pretty busy after the events of Captain Marvel, and it was pretty amazing that they managed to hide, uh, managed to go under the radar throughout the Infinity Saga. We, we might, uh, they might have helped in some ways, but they didn't really, uh, ref- they weren't even referenced by anyone. I think, I think Nick Fury knows because given her, given his connections to, you know, Rambo. And um, what do you think about that? Do you think that sword uh, helped in major events like Battle of New York, uh, Thanos invasion? Joe, do you think that they some somewhat help? Uh, shield or other organizations in that battle, or do you think that they stay under the radar? Um, I think that, like, the thing is, what's fascinating is that we don't know exactly how old they are. We only know that they were definitely founded sometime before the events of Infinity War. So, mm. but it's they made it sound like like they've been around for a while. So, my my theory is is that kind of sword was founded by we know that uh maria rambo was one of the founders similar to how uh agent carter was the founder of shield so that they built up this entire organization but it wasn't like they were space focused so what it sounded like before this whole because the name is different from the comics and the comics they're all about space travel and space observation while here they seem to be focused on general sentient weapons of any kind so i think that originally they were pretty much an offshoot of nasa this sounds dumb. They probably are what, you know, Space Force is supposed to be. <laughs> That's what they pretty much are. And we see it like when he says that, like, Monica's grounded and all that. I It makes me wonder, do they have a connection to that, what we saw at the end of uh, Far From Home, that perhaps, you know, they still built up that connection. There was no, like, alien or sentient life in that station, which was also kind of a big aspect of, of S.O.R. that they weren't just humans uh, at some point. It, there's so many questions. I think they've been around probably before HYDRA, the whole Winter Soldier event. I do think that Fury had a hand in its, fo- in its fi- uh, when it was founded. And I think, like, originally you have the sword and shield of the government. And that was kind of how they were built up, and it just and until Shield became what it was. But they weren't directly connected to it that anyone would start calling Hydra and Sword. So they had their own missions in space that just wasn't explored in the MCU until now. Because we, you know, the only space stories we had were Thor and, well, um, the Guardians of the Galaxy. And Thor pretty much had Shield involved at the time. Who probably were like that sentient weapon u- uh, unit that sword is now. Yeah, and Josh uh, can also answer the same question, but I have a follow up to that. The thing is, at the, top, at the top of my mind, the two characters that are aware of sword, of sword's existence, is Nick Fury and Captain Marvel, in during mm-hmm. the Infinity Saga. And um, mm-hmm. what, who, which other character do you think is aware of their existence? Tony Stark, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think uh, at least the G main Avengers. I'm pretty sure Captain America knows. Like, it's gonna be hard to keep something like that a secret from him. Um, yeah. But ultimately, I think you know, thinking about who or when was story created, I'd like to think maybe it was created after the Accords. It at least makes sense because it talks about sentient weapons, and the Accords were essentially passed to sort of oversee this whole thing. I'm wondering, you know, if 
if the Accords failed or, or something, or, you know, we don't even know exactly what happened to the Accords or how the Accords to, uh, became in effect, I'm wondering yeah. if what if that was sort of an, an easy uh, organization to put up mm-hmm. now that, you know, everyone has superpowers, aliens are appearing left and right, chaos is like sort of happening all over the world. Seems like S.W.O.R.D. is a very, very logical organization to found. You know, you've got Monica Rambeau who already has her experience with with Carol and all the alien stuff. You know, she's she's def- she definitely has the perfect resume for the job. So I am wondering if it was created, you know, as a response to the Accords, but we'll never know. But yeah, I think I think people like Tony Stark, uh, Captain America, Black Widow. I think like it's it's gonna be hard to start to keep something like that from Black yeah. Widow. At least all the all the top tier Avengers w- were aware. Bruce Banner. Bruce, maybe. I mean, at this point, it seems like the the whole team probably knows. But it is interesting to sort of see them just plop plop in this organization out of nowhere, <laughs> and and you know without any sort of explanation. But I hope we 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 find out exactly what the history of Sword is. Yeah, and uh, I just want to dissect here based on that episode because I have I have this, I have this running theory that I wrote a feature about it yesterday after the episode because there's a particular line here from director Tyler Hayward, the director of S.W.O.R.D., the acting director of S.W.O.R.D. during that timeline. He revealed that S.W.O.R.D. shifted away from manned missions and refocused on robotic, robotics, nanotech, and AI. So maybe S.W.O.R.D. is just, as what Joe said, an offshoot of NASA, and they're only focused on, you know, astronaut training programs like that, and then um, space-based affairs, basically, and then when this when these other worldly threats came to Earth, Metal New York like that, uh, Chitari, they refocused their efforts to potential to monitor potential threats from space. That's why they have that astro training program. And then when the blip happened, and then their their personal their personnel was like depleted, of course, because because of the blip. So they they refocused on. Of focusing on robot robotics, nanotech, and AI, and then maybe Tony Stark helped them to uh, have some sort of blueprint of you know these these are my uh, technology you can make use of it because in that and there's there's scenes in that episode that like resemblance of Tony's technology like that right there yeah yeah right mm. I I could see like. The the big thing about about Stark Tech is that they moved away from weaponry, so I could see them having and in, being involved as like a tech support company with developments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Plus, the nanotech, you know, that was something that was introduced in Infinity War with the latest suit, so it, yeah. it wouldn't be you know that far fetched in, in reality. Yeah, let's now move on to the characters, guys. The returning MCU characters here. Before One Division premiered, everyone theorized that Jimmy Woo, Darcy, are all working together with Monica within Sword. That, but mm-hmm. the latest episode proved that's that's not the case because they're still an independent, uh, working independently. Because Jimmy was Jimmy was currently in, with the FBI, and he's just working with Sword while Darcy is Doctor Doctor Darcy Lewis. Wow. From an intern to a doctor <laughs> of astrophysics. She's now back. And um, first reactions to the return, Charles? Jimmy was very, very nice to welcome. Um, I'm surprised how much I liked him here. Because if, when, during Atman and the Wasp, I didn't like him that much. Like I, 
he wasn't as endearing to me there as he was here. Here because maybe because we get more of him because he's not like a bumbling idiot the whole time. I feel like I appreciate his appearance more here. Obviously, when he meets with Darcy, he does the card trick, which is a, a fantastic callback yeah. to um, his magic trick in Ant-Man too. But he's a, definitely one of the characters that's that's a, a very surprising welcome for me. As for Darcy, I think I could probably say the same thing too because for the most part, at least for the first two Thor films, she she didn't sort of, you know, she she was just kind of there for her for. Uh, Comic relief and nothing more. Yeah. But now it's kind of like, holy shit, they're finally giving her stuff to do. And it, I think it absolutely works. It's just so mind-blowing to me how some of these sword agents are, like, talking down to Darcy. Like, she's not fucking... Like, she wasn't, like, the, the first person to make contact with Thor. Mm, like, yeah. if you think about it, not, probably none of these sword agents have ever met an Avenger apart from Monica. And here they're treating Darcy like a, like an intern they can fire at a, at a whim when she's probably more qualified to deal with this shit more than anyone. I just find it funny. But yeah, I'm glad that Darcy is finally getting to do some stuff that is super crucial and important. Totally agree. Joe, how about you? Reactions to Darcy and Jimmy's MC return in WandaVision. I'm I'm always happy to see these characters. I I think one of the best part of the entire game is these characters and their interactions and seeing them grow. Like the card trick, I loved. It's such a small nod, and reality has no consequence on the rest of the the series in any way. But it just shows that these characters are evolving into this ever growing world. I just love Jimmy. I loved him in the in in Ant Man and the Wasp. He yeah. He, sometimes it was like a, a a few times they tried a bit too hard or they forced it in. Because he was more the guy who was just running around. But here he feels like an an essential cog, pretty much, in, in what's going on and trying to solve the mystery. And I just, I love Jimmy's, the the softball comment was just the probably the funniest joke in the whole, in the whole episode for me. And it's just this guy who's just, he's just emotional. He's just like a very honest, down-to-earth guy. Which is ironic considering he was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the comics. So I think he would have been a terrible a- S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Because he would constantly tell everyone everything. Yeah. It, it's just, it's great to see him back. And Darcy, I was, you know, I wasn't, I was always confused about the general reception of Darcy as a character. Yes, she was mostly comic relief. But I actually really enjoy the original Thor and Thor to Dark World for the comedy. I think it was surprisingly hilarious at times. So in... in you know, even my 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 stepfather, he still says to Mjolnir Mew Mew because of that film. Um, yeah. But it's 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 great to see them back. I think they're fleshing them out more, and I really hope that this isn't a one and done kind of deal that they're not going to show up for another ten fifteen years. I I do hope that this leads to potentially more with these characters. Yeah, I wish to I wish a Darcy Jane reunion and Thor Love and Thunder. Who knows? I don't know. That's <laughs> a lot of potential. So these characters are awesome. So basically, um, their chemistry is great. Their dynamic is great. Their bond is great in that episode, and you can yeah. see it. You can feel it upon watching it. And they, mm-hmm. you know what? You know what, guys? Episode four is like every MCU fan watching the first three episodes, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're listing down notes. They're no, they're note taking. They're literally watching episode one. In an old TV, that, that, right? That, that, that's 
it's just meta for me. It, and, it's um, such an interesting meta concept in general, like that they're, I never thought like when they did the sitcom approach that the characters in the world are going to watch through the sitcom TV. Yeah. That, that surprised me. That was a huge surprise, but it's kind of, it works. It just extremely works and they can make some fun nods about us as the viewers. Yeah. And uh, I have this favorite line from Jimmy Woo. He's, he really said, so you're saying that the universe created a sitcom starring two Avengers. That's <laughs> us. That's us weeks before one yeah. division. So the world, so the universe is named Feige, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Probably, Our, yeah. Marvel Cinematic Universe is placed in there. So. <laughs> it's amazing. And in that, Bill, in that board where he's writing all that questions, all those questions, you know, why hexago- hex- hexagonal shape? Why sitcom? Same time and space? Is Vision alive? There's this one Easter egg that I want you guys, I want us to dissect here. Uh-huh. It has the men. It he mentioned scrolls in there. He oh, mentioned, really? yeah, he yeah. wrote something. Uh, let me find that exact uh quote. What's behind this scrolls? Question mark. That's the term. And it makes me wonder if in the post-endgame world, do the FBI and S.W.O.R.D., are, are they aware of Skrulls? What do you think about that, Charles? S.W.O.R.D. Uh, is 100% sure because Monica, or rather yes. uh, Maria and Monica are, you know, they're running that, that, that ship. So I'm pretty sure they know that. But I do wonder if the FBI knows. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what the hierarchy is for law enforcement. And as far as intelligence agencies are in the United States, but you know, I wonder if that's something they're gonna keep a secret from the FBI because I imagine that would be a problem. But you know, you also got you, you gotta also compartmentalize and sort of keep these things as from from the public as much as possible. So yeah, it, it's a pretty interesting Easter egg now that you you're mentioning it. Yeah, and he actually wrote that. He wrote that. No one wrote it. He, Jimmy Woo wrote Skrulls specifically wow. in that board. So, yeah. Joe, what's a theory on that? I want to hear it. Um, you know, looking at it, it's, it's funny that, you know, in this kind of scenario, you go through every possible link that could be. So, like, these people pretending to be actors, but they have actual identities. You know, you go, okay, it's just Skrulls acting along or something. Uh, I can see anyone kind of knowing what a scroll is to come to that conclusion in some form or another. But you you open up a good point, Charles. It's like, okay, why would the FBI be aware of that? Because, you know, there's so many different intelligent organizations in this universe that it's kind of hard to say, how does it fit together? You know, what characters, what do they do, et cetera, et cetera. So in reality, it becomes this question of how much do they share? Did maybe the FBI... Actually, now that I think about it, considering that every data that S.H.I.E.L.D. has collected was leaked online, wouldn't everyone know that scrolls exist? There are probably yeah. a lot of conspiracy oh, theorists. Yeah. Oh, around yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they kind of probably had to get the FBI in. I still think to some degree that S.W.O.R.D. will either take over S.H.I.E.L.D.'s original purpose or a S.H.I.E.L.D.-type organization returns at some point. Uh, I, I, I'm still kind of sad that we lost S.H.I.E.L.D. so early, just in general, because I like the concept of the organization in this universe. But I, I kind of it's such a hard thing to do. And I kind of I wonder if we're going to get like a conspiracy QAnon-esque storyline down the line that plays with that fact and secret invasion. I could see that happening. That kind of yeah, answers you know, this question as well. Yeah, 
there's there's some conspiracy theories like are scrolls among us like that <laughs> put it down there let's now move on to another we're talking about easter eggs now because we're, we've moved past that now we're, <laughs> we're talking about uh wanda's actual reality and darcy mentioned that it's a cmbr it's a unusually high levels of cosmic microwave background radiation and uh which she defines as relic radiation dating back to the big bang okay so it's a cosmic radiation which is in westview which is weird because it's cosmic but it's a pretty it's a it's a solid reference to based on my research right now like i'm just mm. literally looking at something it's a reference to correct me if i'm wrong because i have i'm not a really a marvel comics enthusiast so it's a reference that, that Relic radiation is reference to the raw energy of creation in Marvel Comics, which is the source of the Fantastic Four's powers. Oh. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the thing with the, the Fantastic Four stuff, it was never sort of specified what gave the powers. It, it's just like the generic, oh, they got hit by cosmic rays. Cosmic rays, yeah. Yeah, who the fuck knows what, what cosmic rays really are? And I've seen a lot of people sort of say, oh, that could be the Fantastic Four. It could, I guess, but you know, space is so huge. Like, there's so many energies out there that are mm. undiscovered that haven't been even, you know, like I said, haven't been discovered. So it could, it definitely could, but at least here in in the context of uh, one division, in the context of the Mind Stone, I think the 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 more solid connection is that the fact that you know Wong talks about it in Infinity War. Yeah, the the Big Bang sort of birthed the Infinity Stone. So these powers, the the, the CMBR, is very very similar in energy to the uh, Infinity Stone. So it's just the Mind Stone. I do wonder if if this barrier is sort of being created by by um, some sort of Mind Stone replication that they're doing. It's it, it's interesting and it, it's a great sort of a uh, thing to introduce here in the MC because I honestly thought that. Seeing beer was like like a fake thing they invented for for the show, fake yeah. jargon they they invented. But when I when I googled it, like holy shit, it's real. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I I thought that's pretty cool. Yeah. I also think like this ties everything together as well. Is that um a the technology that is highlighted with with television rays is also based on a similar format of those rays. So that that kind of is like the connective tissue that they're trying to do from a science standpoint is why it's a television show and why she can get the uh, the static to pretty much turn into a show on their television. Yeah, and, and I agree one hundred percent. It's it's a it's mostly probably that connection with the Infinity Stones because what we've kind of learned from Wanda is what what makes her so interesting is that she pretty much is a living, breathing Infinity Stone. Yeah, yeah, good. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good description. And similar to Carol, and, and like if you think about it, um, there was the reference that the Infinity Stones could potentially live on to something else, and it feels like they're going towards this direction that they live within characters, or like their energy is still living on, because Carol got her energies from the, um, from the Tesseract, we got the Mind Stone, like that's the confusing thing, is that the Mind Stone was used on Pietro and Wanda, but Wanda has reality-based abilities, so she technically is using abilities from the reality stone, while you could say that um, Quicksilver's speed is an effect from the um, Tesseract, from, from the, the space stone, because he's moving fast through space. 
so it makes me wonder if uh, all the stones are connected, and that's why it just tapped into their potential and lent them with the abilities from specific stones that they are, let's say, affinity or they have an affinity for. But it also opens up the question, could, for example, Kang, the Conqueror, who we know is coming in Ant-Man 3, have an affinity and be connected to the Time Stone? Mm. Because that opens up that kind of question. So if he starts glowing green, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what's interesting about that barrier? Because it's, yeah, we, we, we can easily say that it's connected to the Mind Stone. It actually makes sense because, you know, in the outside world, in, in, the, in the opening moments of the episode, because the, when the two, the two cops are saying like they have selective amnesia because they don't know that they're from Westview. <laughs> they don't, they don't <laughs> there's know that no Westview yeah, right there's, there's no Westview. There's only an Eastview. So maybe the, the barriers or, or the connections of the people that are inside the Westview bubble, that's what I'm talking about in, in an article. That I call it the Westview bubble. <laughs> so yeah. Maybe... Maybe the Mind Stone has that effect towards the, the people and their closest friends or families that they forget. They, they ultimately forget Westview. Well, we've seen Wanda manipulate people's minds in Sokovia. That's how she yeah. got people to escape. So, like, that's the thing about Wanda. She pretty much can do almost anything from any of the Infinity Stones besides time travel, which could still be possible. And, and that kind of opens up the question is like, how far does her abilities reach? Are we just kind of learning the limits of it through this series? But like, that's also kind of the thing. I, I mean, I love the moment with there is no vest view with the freaking sign in, in, in right in plain view. That was such a cute little joke. Yeah. But it, there's so many questions it opens up. And I kind of think that this is going to also determine pretty much how the multiverse will work moving forward. Because we got glimpses of it at in Far From Home, and I think Wanda's pretty much exploration of the Infinity Stone's remnants or her abilities might also connect to how the multiverse truly starts to open from here on out. It's, it's going to be a crazy next set of weeks for us guys, how to, how to break it down. <laughs> and uh, we move on now to... Of course, there's, there's the references to the toy helicopter that's actually a sword drone and the yeah. beekeeper. But, oh no, what happened to the beekeeper? <laughs> Probably dead. Theories there? I think he's the ice cream Wanda... guy from the third episode opening. The actor really? looks very similar. Really? Check... That's interesting. I'll check that again later. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even notice that. that. That's kind of the cool if... thing about WandaVision is like, for me, for me I, ne I watch a show and I, can't, I kind of like watch it once maybe like a few weeks later, give it a second shot before, before the next episode. I've been watching WandaVision episodes like at least four to five times just to figure really? out what is going on. I Holy. never do that for any show. Not even Lost, I did that. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, but the, the grim fate, I mean, the overarching theory on Twitter right now, as you can see, because uh, the overarching question from Twitter right now is, did Wanda kill that beekeeper? I, I saw that many times in my timeline. <laughs> That's gonna be ugh, it's gonna be scary. So scary. <laughs> Let's now move on to uh, a WandaVision jump scare, guys. I didn't really expect that. <laughs> oh, yeah. broken. Did you expect that at all? I mean, wow, that was that caught caught me off guard. 
Um, what are your theories there? Do you think that Wanda is um, is controlling Vision's dead body, like a puppet, or I don't know, Charles? What about you? I think it's something like that. I don't think uh, I don't think it's the whole body, but you know, this, this the Vision in the TV world clearly has a mind of his own. Yeah, he yeah. has his own consciousness. He has his own sentience. He he can sort of figure out. Oh shit, something's wrong. You know. At some point during this episode, we actually see Vision sort of. He had he has he had to pause just to sort of think like, hmm, something is up, and I'm kind of fucking scared. For him to do that means he's just not, he's just not a, like a like an imagination of Wanda who's you know who 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 does her bidding at every, every at every whim. So, it it is very interesting to think how exactly this is happening. I think. Wanda has at least a part of vision with her wherever she is that sort of allows this vision to exist in his own mind in this TV world. Mm, I don't know yeah. if he's, I don't know if it's like it's going to be like a weekend at Bernie's thing where she's like controlling the dead body but I I, I think I, it, it's clear from that moment from that shot where we see dead vision some of some of that reality is sort of seeping into Wanda's world and it's gonna be hard for her to sort of keep everything intact as as more of these revelations come to her. Mm. Yeah. Before I go to Joe, I just want to point out that did you re- in, during episode one when Wanda said Vision help him, like Vision immediately followed. But as the episode progresses, you 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 realize that Vision is, uh, you notice that Vision is realizing something is wrong, like slowly, yeah. right? Yeah. So. Joe, what's your reaction to that? Like, I mean, your theory about Vision's dead body, since you've mentioned that you watched it four to five times over. <laughs> I mean, it was like the first time I watched it, that was creepy. Like, that was a... I, I noticed that his color was off in the background. Like, the scene we already knew. And I was like, why is his color so off? Or is it just muted for no reason? And then the moment you turn around, you see like that... It's it's kind of like okay the head wound already makes it bad but it's the dead eyes like with no with no iris or anything that just kind of sells the creepiness of it. It I I do think so ironically I jokingly wrote a an article a few like a, a week or so before where I said oh it's a weekend at Bernie's situation where Agnes and Wanda are just like carrying this dead husk around. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh God, it's, it, you know, it sounded funny in my head, but it's actually terrifying the more you think about it. And I do think, I think it's his body. Uh, I, I kind of don't see why she would just recreate his entire body out of nowhere. But what is interesting, and, and as you pointed out, is that he still is vision. Like there's still uh, a sentient being there. And it just kind of drives home the fact uh, from, from Infinity War that Vision is more than the Mind Stone. He's evolved beyond to be just the Mind Stone. I think this is the kind of the the result of that, where we're first seeing what that means. But the problem is, is that she kind of forced him into it way too early. It's um, I'm trying to think. There was a, a series where someone pretty much died, and they put in the body, in, in but the soul was still alive. I think it was uh, in, a Disenchanted. I watched. And his body, like he was in hell, so they got his soul back from hell, and he was dying. But his his you know his body was still decomposing, so he literally was back in his body as it was decomposing. It's just like I feel weird. Something's happening in his arm, and just they they kind of ignore it. But it feels like that kind of scenario where he's 
he's kind of fallen apart and she just kind of forced him in before fixing him. And now she has like this half dead, half alive synthesoid running around. I'm, I'm really curious. I'm really curious how it comes together. And the bigger question to me is what does this mean for, for visions future moving forward? Yeah. And uh, it's going to be interesting if he's going to play a major role once again, after one division, mm-hmm. because as we all know, Wanda is the only one joining Doctor Strange in Multiverse of Madness as of right now, as at, based on our knowledge, based on what's been revealed, that we don't know if Vision is there. I hope, yes, but let's see. But another another interesting twist here, guys, that I came to realize upon browsing numerous WandaVision articles in the worldwide net. <laughs> the, the main reason why Monica and Jimmy went to Westview is a missing, missing persons case. But the episode didn't actually name who's the missing yeah. person. Yeah, it was odd. Yeah, it was odd. So who do you think it is? Do you think it's Dottie because he was not he wasn't there in the? We no. all know he's, it's not Agnes. So <laughs> do you it's think it's Dottie? Because, yeah, it's not Agnes. But do you, think, do you think it's Dottie or someone else entirely? Charles. Yeah, man, that that was very Ooh. weird. That was that was a very very peculiar weird omission from the whole episode. You know, for the first like ten minutes, they keep talking about a missing person's case, but we actually never know who the missing person is. So they're definitely keeping that a secret. Um, it makes me th- think that, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna say, uh, uh, while I was watching the episode, is it Agnes? Because you know, she's sort of the mystery character there. But when you when you see their the sword board that they're sort of building there with all the images of them. Dottie, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Agnes clearly, clearly has, clearly is someone else. And Dottie, yeah, like I said, she's missing. It makes me wonder if it is Dottie. Or I've saw, I saw someone say, what if it's, if it's a completely new character? I know some people are sort of maybe expecting Wonder Man or Grim Reaper to show up because they're brothers. I saw someone say that, what if it's one of them because they have strong ties to Wanda and Vision? I don't think it's that's the case, but I, I'd be surprised if it is. Um... I've also some people say that what if it's Agnes's son, who in the comics is a is a bad guy in the in the comics, so it could be that Nicholas Scratch, right? Yeah, Nicholas Scratch. Whatever the case may be, it is ultra super interesting that they're withholding who the missing person is. I'm sure it's going to be a very very interesting reveal. Yeah, Joe, how about you? I so the thing is is what makes it interesting. It's not just a missing person; it's a missing person in the witness uh, witness protection program. Yes. So they're hiding this person from someone or something. And the thing is, like it 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 sounds so weird because why would they set this up and not follow through? Like they the the episode sidelines it so easily. And and why is Wu still there technically? Like Sword doesn't need Wu just because he saw her go in. So he might be there because of that. That might be the reason why Jimmy's still around. And there was that big reveal in one of the first featurettes is that Wonder Man was like on in the background. So I'm going to throw out a, a crazy theory. And okay. I'll say, I think we haven't seen the person in the witness program yet, a witness protection program, because he does say that it's a he at, at one he? point in the episode. Does he huh? say is that? It? He says he, yeah. Oh, okay. Ooh. At least it could be that I misheard, but I think he said he. 
My theory would be is that perhaps it is in fact Wonder Man who is being uh, hidden from his brother. <gasps> because we did see the headgear from Reaper in, in the uh, animated intro. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So what if, uh, like, for example, what if the male, like, we don't know all the characters, and I think they've been hiding a few in the background, especially in that, like, for the children event. So imagine, like, there's this side story of someone, like, suddenly during an episode where a sitcom episode, everything's fine, someone ends up dead. And it's someone hunting down whoever Wonder Man might be or, or is in this universe. I don't think, like, we know that Nathan Fillion almost played the character in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, but that was completely scrapped. Yeah. So it could yeah. be anyone. And I think it's going to be... We're going to get the reveal in this show, or at least a hint at who it could be. Even if it's just... Jimmy Woo arresting someone in the background. It could also have no bearing on the plot in any way possible. And it's just like a way of them to uncover that Westview is where it is. But I think it would be a really interesting twist. Especially we have a sitcom world. Wonder Man is an actor. That's true. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's very true. My thing with that is that if you sort of do that and introduce Wonder Man... It kind of seems like, you know, so so many things are going on. It, it, for the most part, it is Wanda's journey. Yeah. This is, this is Wanda's story. This is the story of, I guess, the multiverse cracking. I do wonder what the significance of Wonder Man is here. Like, okay, he's the, uh, he's a uh, missing person's case. He's in the witness protection program. But, like, what does that mean exactly? Like you said, it could be, it could be Wonder Man, but it's totally, like, not important. I could see that happening where, oh shit, it's Simon Williams, he's hiding. He's, he's being hidden from his brother, who's a supervillain. Great, that's amazing. But it also it's also not important. It's kind of like a silly Easter egg that we're doing. Like, I could see mm -hmm. them doing that. But if they're, if they're going to build up Wonder Man and Grim Reaper as this sort of, what if they're the bad guys here? What if, you know, the big fight is between them? It, it's going to be definitely one of those things that feels shoehorned in at least currently where we are in episode four yeah that, that, sorry it's okay i just want to point out that it, it's it, it's a him it's confirmed i sent a screenshot oh <laughs> so it's a he yeah but they, it's none of the people they put on the war on the wall because otherwise they would have recognized or at least jimmy would have recognized them that's why oh, i think it's someone God. we haven't met yet it's a him holy shit that's why yeah, it's a him the thing is, I agree with you that introducing Wonder Man in that entire plight would be a bit much for the story. I kind of think that it doesn't have a bearing on Wanda's story directly, but rather, like, I think the most important character and why she was introduced early on as being in this so show is uh, Monica. And that's kind of why she goes through a similar arc that Wanda does. Because Monica literally starts the season losing probably the one person in her life that she cherished the most. And that's kind of the parallel they're building up between Monica and Wanda because she kind of just said, okay, I have to move on. I have to live my life while Wanda is like clinging to it as much as possible. Yeah. And I wonder if like, what if just Wonder Man just ends up being there as a foil because he kind of just like thinks, okay, I'm going to fit in. And he has his abilities, and it just kind of sh and his abilities counteract that of Wanda and create pretty much a crack in the multiverse. They could play on that as well. 
And, and that's kind of the crazy thing. We have no idea where this season is going. We all thought Herb was the freaking high ev- evolutionary early on. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it it is it is so amazing how they combine like Easter eggs in clever ways, but could they could literally do anything and it just it wouldn't feel crazy. Like Wonder Man makes sense considering his con- his connection with Vision. What if Vision reincarnates in him and that's what led her to find or re- bring him back in some way? You could go any angle with this. And that's kind of the crazy thing about it. I agree. And at, at any rate, that episode four proved that anything can happen. Like, you'll never see it coming, right? Uh, yeah. Silver coat. <laughs> it's going to be crazy next batch of episodes there. So, we've broke down almost all of the Easter eggs and the reveal here. So, let's go to that intense moment where Wanda kicked out, Wanda kicks out Monica from that Westview bubble. So, based on that scene alone, guys, do you think that Wanda's in control or she's being controlled? Charles? Hmm. Um... Yeah, it's hard because it, I like to think that she's just doing this on her own volition. But you know, knowing Marvel and how they sort of like to build up entities and how they sort of want to seed things, you know, we've always heard that Nightmare might sort of play a part in Doctor Strange too. You know, it, it obviously makes sense that oh shit, uh, Nightmare is behind this. She's bringing Wanda's nightmares to life. I mean, it it it, it seems very very logical and almost almost too stupid to. Not too too stupid to ignore. So, you know, with it, I, I could see it being a case of both, honest at this point. Yeah, Joe, how about you? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much on on that theory as well. I kind of think that it's Wanda is in control, but she was not. I wouldn't say manipulated. She was just kind of given a deal she couldn't refuse, and that's kind of the scenario of how it ended up being her controlling this. But I, I don't see them, you know, completely turning a, a important character for their future franchise into a full-on villain just for the sake of it. That's yeah. kind of how I see it. And her red hex powers seem to be more powerful than ever in this uh, yeah. in this post Endgame world, right? And yep. based on the promos of the next episodes, and it's going to getting more powerful as each episode progress and the terrified look of monica is uh, scary because <laughs> and uh, when wanda realizes that she's a stranger and an outsider she just went full berserk and then push her out of the westview bubble <laughs> not a very nice way to t- talk to strangers yeah and uh monica had an interesting line at the ending she said it's all wanda it's all wanda because you know since wanda is the one responsible for kicking her out it makes sense that he that she believes that Wanda is responsible for what's really happening in Westview. True, and, yeah. And that could be a potential conflict with Sword. And Sword will no doubt use all of his resources against Wanda. It's going to be an all-out battle between those two. And Sword is no match with Wanda, right, oh, guys? Yeah. So, and it's gonna be they're, they're <laughs> fucked. They're really fucked. And um, fucked. I'm really wondering. If someone that we know will aid Sword in some way, or in the final three episodes, it's been being teased as the biggest 
of uh, biggest mm-hmm. WandaVision episodes. Uh, it's very early to theorize on that. But let's hope that it's an Avenger or a Sorcerer, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Tony Stark's coming back? What? Not. <laughs> that'd be fucking insane. Uh, it's be a hologram, insane. Tony Stark. This is why we had the Sokovia Accords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about all the big reveals. Uh, I, I guess I, haven't ha- I didn't miss one. I think we talked all, of, all about. Let's go to the rating of the episode. On a scale of 1 to 10, let's give our rating for episode 4 of One Division. I'll start. Episode 4, it's very surprising. It's, uh, it's very intense. Um, it's fascinating to see what's happening in the real-world MCU for the first time since Far From Home in a post-endgame world. So I'll give it a 9 because the dynamic between Darcy and Jimmy Woo, it's amazing. And finally finding out what S.W.O.R.D. is and catching up uh, with characters from Captain Marvel and really uh, finding out the perspective, the outside perspective of the sitcom world and giving us answers, but also giving us questions down the line. <laughs> Charles, how about you? One to ten, what's your rating for episode four of WandaVision? Probably a nine, too, simply because of, like you said, the answers. You know, it goes to show how important these answers are to us. Even though, you know, like if you really think about it, it's nothing. The episode is nothing special. I mean, what truly is special are the sitcom ones, and this one is sort of like the basic Marvel fair where, oh, there's mystery, there's intrigue. But you know, it's it's like a, it's like every Marvel movie. It's amazing, but I think yeah, to me, it's just the answers. Seeing how it, seeing this world actually come together and start start to make sense, sort of puts it up as probably my favorite episode so far. Yeah, Joe, one to ten, episode four, one division. Since you watched it five to six times, you mentioned it earlier. <laughs> I should not have said that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely giving it a nine as well. Uh, I think. In general, like on its own, the episode is technically like a, a an eight because it is more of a setup. It is a, a in-between setup between what happened before. It explains a lot. So it's a lot of exposition dumps. But what does push it is pretty much the ending. The, the reveal at the end, the mystery that is unfolding. It's really interesting. I always like to compare it to like that feeling when Lost was released, but it's a bit of a it was a slow burn. You didn't really get many answers until like like four or five episodes in on anything if you ever got any answers so i think it does a lot right and yeah it's it, it was a great episode and i'm really curious moving forward if they're going to start blending sitcoms with the real world or if this is like the template we're going to use now yeah so it's a tie nine over ten that's about wraps it up that's a very insightful discussion for episode four of one division <laughs> Listeners, how about you guys? What do you think of episode four of One Division? You can uh, tweet us at twitter.com slash exchange. You can also uh, listen to our previous episodes. That's Spotify. Spotify, that's Exchange on YouTube. Exchange, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, and Anchor. That's all Exchange podcast. You can search that and preview our craziness or theories or speculations uh, all about MCU stuff. And uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash Aaron Cino. That's A-R-O-N-C-H-I-N-L. You can also follow Charles on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at CFS William Webber. You can also follow Joe on Twitter. I'm at that Abel, T-H-A-T-A-B-E-R-L. And that's about wraps it up for another 
MCU theme WandaVision focus episode for the MC Exchange podcast. See you next week and stay safe, everyone. Bye. Until Bye. next time.